here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Welcoming Africa's number one inspirational keynote speaker. He's a facilitator, a businessman, and an author. Someone we enjoy having here on the show. I think he's a heavyweight hitter when it comes to helping us open up our minds. It is Mindful Wednesday, and we're welcoming Billy Siligani. Billy, thank you very much for your patience. Good evening. Good evening, ma'am, and good evening to your listeners. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about organizational culture and what yes. uh, we should be understanding um, yes. when it comes to cultivating the culture, um, getting people who are aligned with the culture into the organization and moving forward yes. with the culture. And just give us a recap of what we spoke about last week before we launch into um, uh, the rest of the pointers that uh, yes. make up organizational culture. Yeah, so we spoke about where we are, you know, vis-a-vis the fourth industrial revolution. We spoke about the new world of work, what is people are expecting. And we spoke about the definition of culture, what, what, what really is culture and how we should be looking at it. Uh, and then we spoke about um, the four uh, elements of, of culture. And so today we're going to move from a perspective of saying, so if the, the fourth industrial revolution is, is at the heart of, of industrial culture, and like I said last week, that uh, there's a difference between remote working and digital transformation. So just because you work at home, it might necessarily mean that your company has digitally transformed itself and that it is part of your culture. So when we're in the middle of this cultural journey, what are the four critical skills that we need to cultivate in our people and make sure that they have them so that it becomes easy for them to shift an old paradigm of doing things into a new paradigm of doing things. So the first critical skill is what we call critical thinking. Now, a lot of people that have been doing the same job for quite some time, it's easy for them to get into a rut, you know, to almost be, uh, I call it on autopilot. I always make a joke and say, you know, some people actually sleep their way to work because it has become so mundane that they don't they wake up, they take a shower, they get into the car or the bus and they have to work and they work and go home. You know, this. So in the in the era of creating and cultivating, and when there's no culture that will affect your bottom line, and I'm gonna share with you the difference between culturally deprived and culturally aligned organizations, how they perform. It's important for us to to train our people in becoming critical thinkers. Now, a person who's a critical thinker is a person that will consistently question the way that they do things. Because remember the word organizational culture means the way we do things around here. So these are the people that will say, they said, if if this thing was taking 20 days to do from, from enter to exit, is there a possibility to reduce it by one day? And then they'll go to your process map because I always take it for granted, and it, it's, a, it's a funny thing, because some organizations don't really have clearly defined uh, process maps. So somebody who's a critical thing is a person that would look at their, what they do and say, can I do this better? You know, can I, can I, can I be trained to, to, to do it faster, and, and those kind of things. And now critical thinking challenges us because when we look at technology, 
and especially artificial intelligence. You know, there's a, and I hope your listeners can take this down. They can go online and check it out. There's an artificial intelligence that has been created. It's called Amelia. So you can go to www.amelia.com, A-M-E-L-I-A, amelia.com. Now, this, this robot or this technology, what it does, it, it learns the patterns of the things you do, how you answer emails and all these kind of things. And the jobs that you do, which are repetitive, which one can be you know, automated and those kind of things. Patricia, it has been said, and it has won quite a, several awards, it has been said, it's one of the first artificial intelligent robots that is almost close to the, the operation and the function of a human brain. Because it lends your habit, literally. That's why there's a thing called machine learning, because it lends your habit. So basically, you could be sleeping, and then you get an email from China or from the U.S., it will, it will respond to that email as if it was you responding because it understands how you, you think because it has learned those kind of things. So therefore, we need to become critical thinkers otherwise artificial intelligence will give us issues. That's the first skill we need to cultivate. The second skill is around collaboration. Now, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people speak about silo thinking and silo working. And we find this happening in majorly in massive organizations where you find this duplication of work because everybody's got their own little island, you know, so nobody sees the bigger picture. So I might be doing what you're doing in a different way, but it's the same thing, you know, and, and that makes organizations lose money. And in the consulting world, we call it punk, price of non-conformance. So you, you're putting money down to get four people to do the same thing differently. Now, collaboration says, Inside your organization, you've got to always say who needs to work with whom in our value chain. And when we think in that fashion, we then minimize competition and increase collaboration. That also has an effect on innovation. And people will tell you that the most innovative organizations in the world, the Facebook of this world, the Microsoft, you know, the Apple, the Teslas, they create a highly collaborative working environment where free thinking is allowed and people go out of their way to learn what other people are doing so that they can enhance what they're doing. So the second skill that we need to teach our people is to collaborate. And by the way, collaboration also has a cultural connotation from our human culture. You know, I'll give an example. China had a one-child policy for a long time. So these kids, they grow up one in their home, in their household. They go to school, they do these kind of things. So when they grow up and begin to work, they find it difficult to belong to a team because they've always been alone you know, most of their lives. Therefore, this becomes a skill that gets taught that, hey, you know, you can't do things by yourself. We are part of a massive organization, and it's important for, for us to teach you then how to collaborate. So that's the second skill. The third one, and the most under, misunderstood and critical, is communication. You know, I can tell you now, Patricia, you can send me to any organization and put me in the middle of that organization. I can tell you that they've got communication issues. They're just walking and observing how people behave. Because most of us have this illusion that when we've sent somebody an email, we've communicated. There's a difference between communication and informing. Mm, <laughs> and we, I love that. I love that. We make that. a mistake that we inform you and, you know, I hate to think, I've communicated with Patricia. Now, in most instances, 
it becomes the, the, the function of the internal communications person to create what I call communication protocol. Now, a communication protocol is a protocol that defines how we communicate. If I send an email, what is the, what is what is what is the natural expectation? Is it I should respond to your email within an hour, within half a day, within a day? It's defined. So therefore, I will not send you an email and then you won't respond to me after three days and say, "Hey, Patricia, I sent an email. I still did not get what I was asking for." And most of the time, that happens because there is not yet a defined communication protocol, mm-hmm. you know? and a lot of things falls into the cracks. Because I say that communication is an exchange between the messenger and the receiver of the message. When the messenger comes with a message and gives it to, to the person that receives it, it is the responsibility of the message carrier to validate if the other person understands clearly what they are saying or requesting for. And it becomes the responsibility of the one who receives the message to either validate or invalidate what he or she has been told. Then communication, then both of them, when they understand the message in the same way and the expectations are clear, then communication has happened. So, so that makes sense. It makes sense that, uh, you know, clear communication is defined. Um, but that is in the corporate setting. So yeah. what then happens in the corporate setting with one-on-one communication? Because other people in an organization would not necessarily give you um, communication face-to-face. They will mm-hmm. instruct you or inform you and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and not want a, a retaliation or a response or want to communicate. You think you're getting into a meeting, but you are getting into an information se- uh, session. Yeah. And, and, and that happens quite a lot. And so I've been in, a, in, a, in, a, in an organization where I'm facilitating a session, you know, strategic planning or, or, or you know, coming up with a, a journey map for their, for their culture intervention. And then after I, 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 I tell them what I want to tell them, then I say, guys, okay, are there any questions, you know? And if they are quiet, what it tells me, it tells me that there's an unwritten ground rule. Now, an unwritten ground rule is a behavior that is not taught, but it is happening because it was born out of default and not by design. Let me explain what I mean. So I talk, 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 and say, this is what we're going to do, blah, 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 any questions. If they don't answer me or engage with me, it will tell me that the person who's their leader or their boss is a person that does not like to be questioned. Each time people question him or her, it would shoot them back negatively. And then an unwritten ground rule then develops, which says, when somebody tells us something, the best thing for us to do to really have a good day is to shut up. <laughs> because if we start to engage, we're going to be shut down. So therefore, we are not going to be asking questions. Now, that's what we call culture by default. So it's a thing that people have seen over time and they've then adopted this unwritten ground rule that says we're not going to engage because when we engage, we, we get shot down, you know. And I mean, you know, you know if, if, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, depending on how old you are and where you worked, there were instances in the workplace long before, I think, democracy and things changed where some bosses will throw stuff at people in front of other people, you know where a boss will, will talk down on people in front of other people. 
And once that happens, people just switch off completely, you know. So it is critical that when either you're a team leader or a team member, and like I'm saying, the most critical thing, Patricia, is to create this communication protocol I'm speaking about, which also governs your meetings. Because I don't like meetings, you know, and people who work with me, they know. I usually say to people, what is the objective of the meeting? What, what should the outcome of that meeting be? Can you not ask me the three questions and I send you an email, you know? And, and I do that because when you get into meetings, then they become talk shops, then blah, 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 blah. You get out and think, oh my God, what are we talking about? Because there's no clearly to find what we call meeting management process. How do you manage your meetings? You know, who comes to this particular meeting? Why do they come there? What are the expectations of them coming to that meeting? You know, and then what is the outcome of that meeting? What are the things that needs to happen after that meeting? I always make a joke and say, when you work for government, there's just one million meetings. So always make a joke and say, when, when a snake enters a government building and somebody reports, then there's a meeting about the snake. You know, there's a snake that has entered the building. And then out of that meeting with the snake, then there's a subcommittee that has to go and check where does this snake come from? You know, as after that, some will say, how venomous is it? So it's meeting after meeting. By the time they, they get to understand that the snake has killed people because it's meetings about meetings. So when you've got a clearly defined communication protocol, it also helps you as employees and as team leaders and as team members to run effective meetings. You know, if you go and, and understand the virgin uh, culture, Richard Branson runs meetings when people are standing in those cocktail tables. There's no sitting down because those meetings are boom, 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 and it's done, you know. And everybody knows, I need to report on this. Is it about numbers? Is it about our people? Is it about new product? It's very, like, you know, sharp and, and succinct. But in most cases, meetings are like, oh, my God, what was I doing here? You know, so we've got to define what running a meeting means. And we've got to create this culture by design, not by default, that allows people to engage in meetings. Now, one of the most under investment in organizations is in personality profiling. A lot of times when there's a team war, there's a team disconnect, and they bring me in, the first question I always ask them, have you guys done personality profiling? And I'm, I'm just so surprised, like over 90% of the time, the answer is no. And I'm thinking, oh my God. So you guys work together, you don't understand each other's communication styles, you don't understand what motivates each other, you don't understand how you need to talk to each other. That's why you're fighting. You know, because you don't know who you are, you don't know what your, who your colleagues are, but if you do a personality profiling test, and there are a lot of them. You know, we spoke about them when we were doing, we were doing a wealth dynamics. If I know that you are a sensing person, if I know that you are an extrovert, if I know that you are an introvert, I should be knowing how to communicate with you in a way that solicits a response. You know, but in most cases, conflict happens because we, it's a personality less than a, a, a content conversation. So that's the third skill, communication. I hope I'm breaking it down a little bit deeper. Yeah, you've really, you've really, really helped us to have a bit of an understanding. Now, yeah. um, with the minutes that we've got left, we've got about four minutes left. Mm -hmm. Take us through the things that uh, people who own organizations need to bear in mind as uh, they uh, cultivate their culture within the organization. Okay, so people need to understand that, uh, you know, uh, that an organization that is uh, culturally deprived will always lose against an organization that is culturally aligned. Now, there's a study which was done by Professor Dean and Professor Kennedy over a period of 11 years, 
They studied 207 companies, and they were asking one question. Does culture affect profitability or service delivery in the public sector? And the results were amazing. I'm going to share three data points, and people can actually go and research this data. And more and more research has been done after this. They realized that uh, organizations that are culturally aligned outperform those that are culturally deprived on higher gains on operational earnings by 571%. So that's a number. You know, they outperform those that are culturally deprived. And then they looked at the ROI, you know, return on investment, and said an organization that is culturally aligned versus an organization that is culturally deprived, what would be the difference? And they came with a number that would be 417% higher return on investments get achieved when you invest in companies that are culturally aligned. And then they look at stock price increase, you know. Would, would, would the culture affect stock price increase? And they realized that stock price increase would rise by 363%, meaning that organizations that are culturally aligned will outperform those that are culturally deprived by 363%. So therefore, like I said earlier on, that organizational culture is not an HR issue. It's not an HR thing. It's an organizational imperative. And if the leaders of, of an organization do not understand this, some of them are out of business. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> and, and, you know, they, they will know it very soon and it will be too sad. And, and these are, for me, and I'm saying these are just three simple data points. There's more deeper data points that one can talk about when it comes to organizational culture. And, and if you look at, you know, companies like Apple, I mean, Apple is a, is a trillion-dollar business. If you look at Tesla, you know, it's run by the richest men on planet Earth. And if you go back and look at how do they get there, I promise you, organizational culture is, is the foundation of their unbelievable success. Skills you can buy, but culture you can't buy, you've got to build one brick at a time. One brick at a time. Skills you can buy. I love I love that. Skills you can buy, but culture you can't. You build it one you brick can't. at a time. Um, yeah. so, so, Billy, if an organization is listening right now and they're saying, geez, you have, you have really opened up our eyes. We need you on our board. We need you to come and assist us to cultivate and start building one brick at a time this organizational culture of yours. How can we get in touch with Billy Silicon? Uh, you can send me an email on uh, pa at com. You can go to my LinkedIn, Bilisilagane. You can go to my Facebook, Bilisilagane. Twitter, Bilisilagane underscore speaks. That's where you can get me. Excellent. Simple as that. Billy, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. It's a pleasure, man. Have a beautiful evening. Eight humans, it's 11 o'clock on the dot. Let's go to Mdupi. Mahalimelo is going to give us the roundup of the news for the day. Good evening, Mdupi. Hola.